HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Switching careers from attorney to actor will likely cost you financial freedom. But today's guest, Eli Rosen, shares how the agonizing decision to leave his ultra-Orthodox Hasidic community to do just that bought him much more freedom than money can buy. It's Monday, June 5th. We're talking new beginnings, and this is Love Bites Radio. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Arpozo. I'm 35, single, and you can find me as at Words Food Arts. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am 34, in a relationship, and can be found as at Ben Rose NYC. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Jacqueline. It's how's how's great that to chair see you. doing over there it for feels you? Nice and cushy. How's I your like, stiff I like chair seeing, over there? I like seeing it? you in that well, chair. Thank you. I'm in the captain's You're chair in the hot today, seat today. For all of you who can't see us, which is all of you. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to have like a live video feed? I don't know. When I learned how to do Facebook live photo okay. uh, videos, there's a camera in there, you know. I know, I know. That's David. That's our our, our god of war. Oh today. hello, oh hello, David. Oh hello, hello, David. Are you are you ready with the hot buttons for our game later? You know it. I'm a little nervous about that. I'm a little nervous about. We're not going to hear that one at all. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. all the buzzer. You're going to exactly. get me back for every single game that has come before. That is correct. Well, no, I, I put a couple cupcakes in there for you, oh, so yay. you should be all right. All right. Well, should we should we get on with it then? Yes. Today we are continuing our series on new beginnings. Number five. And uh, we have actually a good friend of mine in the studio today, Mr. Rosen. Um, and actually, Eli Rosen is our guest today, and it's actually his birthday. It is? Yes, today. it is. You did not prepare me for that. 
So, thank, so thank we you thank so much you very for much for us. spending part of your birthday. We should have cake or pizza or today. cocktails or something. We'll get we'll get some cocktails after. Yeah, perhaps. yeah. We got um, to step it up a little bit. We won't ask you how old you are, unless you want to share. Well. We'll save that for the uh, end of the show. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a very smart man, I can tell already. Why don't, why don't you... Let me give a formal you, introduction. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Born into and raised in the Hasidic community of Borough Park in Brooklyn, New York, Eli attended rabbinical school and served as a cantor and assistant rabbi before moving on to a career in commercial litigation. Now a recovering attorney, Eli is pursuing his lifelong passion in the dramatic and performing arts. Since his professional theater debut in New Yiddish Rep's smash off-Broadway hit, God of Vengeance, God of Vengeance, Eli spends most of his time translating classic plays into Yiddish and producing and rehearsing for upcoming shows. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So we're going to start off today, um, as we continue our series on New Beginnings, uh, with just a quick roundtable discussion on self-care. I think one of the things we've talked about a lot on this show, especially in the beginning when we talked about dating a lot and that sort of treacherous jungle of dating, was how we take care of ourselves and how we keep ourselves mentally and emotionally healthy. And so I'll just kick it out to you guys, asking actually for advice, because I am terrible at keeping myself emotionally stable in times of emotional upheaval, um, in life upheaval. So do either of you have any great tips or strategies for how you keep yourselves healthy in those times? Well, that's a loaded question. I mean, you're you're assuming a lot right there. Emotional stability is definitely um, a long-term goal of mine. But uh, maybe not that much of a short-term goal. Um, How do I keep myself healthy and sane? Um, Well, I find writing to be extremely therapeutic. And that includes anything from, you know, just transcribing old manuscripts. um, That's generally mindless and tedious, although gratifying work, to... Translating plays from Hebrew verse into English, so would, into, would, into Yiddish, which is so. Would you say that the writing that you do to kind of keep yourself healthy is like distraction, or is it writing that you help to kind of get out any of the thoughts and feelings that you have? I guess it's more of the distraction variety <laughs> uh, because I'm not really doing any any original creative writing right now. Although sure. that's mm. definitely something that I'd love to do. I think for me, like I know, I know myself, and I can only feel calm, especially with a transition, especially with some with a big life change or a new beginning coming. If I feel prepared, I feel very emotionally unstable when I don't have the parameters that I can control or any controllable variables explored and discovered. So for me, it's about figuring out what options are out there. If I I talk to my close people in my inner circle, which sometimes includes you, it includes my best friend, it includes my brother, it includes my mother, it includes the people who I trust who know me well to figure out like, is this the best choice for me or not? And then I sort of, sometimes I, I jot to do, I jot, you know, uh, lists, you know, like, uh, what, what do you call them? Good, bad list, pros and cons list, you know, and then I just sort of go with my gut on something. But for me, it's about being over prepared for things and overthinking, because once I've overthought something to a certain extent, how it makes me feel, how it will affect the people around me, 
then I know if I'm making the right choice or not. And I can go with my gut because I know that my gut has like, has sort of weighed all of these things out. And it's less about fear and about the unknown and about like, all right, well, I, at least I know what I don't know. At least like if I'm making a decision and I'm moving forward and I know that, okay, like I can't control X, Y, and Z. I know I have controlled A, B, and C. And so I feel better about those things. Like, so I've prepared what I can prepare. I've thought through what I won't be able to, you know, know what's coming. And at least like I've done as much work as I can. And so I can feel calmer going forward. It's like, you know, I've faced, I've faced, at least I know what the demons are going to be even if I don't know how I'm going to deal with them once they come. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I know that I'm an over-preparer. So even when, like, even when something is coming and I can't and I don't have the time or the space yet to explore it, I just tell myself, all right, you don't have the time and the space now, but tomorrow or the next day, you'll figure it out. Like, you'll do the over-preparing, and once you're over-prepared, then you'll face it and you'll be fine. And so I can at least even comfort myself knowing that I'll just over-prepare myself and then I'll be okay. You, you said something that like really struck me, which is that like you once you feel totally confident that you're making the right decision, then you feel good about moving forward. I think for me, one of the things is like I always feel like even after I've made a decision, I'm like waffling back and forth of ah, did I do the right thing? Like how do you actually get to that place? Of, well, it's like, not necessarily knowing that I've made the right decision, but it's at least having worked through to make the decision and then embracing it as if it's the right one, because you can really only control how you feel about something or how you think about it or how you communicate. Like you can only control how you feel about it you can't control if it's the right or wrong decision right so like if i've if i've overthought and i've over communicated then at least like i've gotten the sludge out and i can embrace the new thing if it's a job or a move or me trying a job that i'm not sure i'm qualified at at least i can embrace it and be like well i'm gonna go balls to the wall with this this decision as if it's the right one because at least I know the ways that I might fail and I'm going to just hope that I don't, you know, like, so it's, it's still not knowing that something we never, yeah, you know. never know, you can never know what the right decision is, but yeah, at least I, like I, you can fake your way through this stuff that you might not have down. Yeah. To that point, um, Ben, who's been uh, giving me some acting, uh, classes, great acting coach, by the way, I gotta say, thanks for that plug. And um, I think one of the most important things that he taught me and one of his most off-used lines is go before you're ready. Yeah. And that's a wonderful life lesson. Um, you know, coming from a legal background, um, lawyers are notoriously risk-averse and talk about doing pros and cons. I mean, they don't do anything before first doing a, a risk assessment. And um, by, you know, by leaving that, I've kind of rejected that whole school of thought and my current philosophy in life is generally go before you're ready yeah. and um you know what they they and you know on on my birthday i guess this is a great time to bring this up but they do say that um uh you know they do all these surveys of of hospice nurses and the most mm -hmm. off-sided deathbed regret is um the things they didn't do of course not yeah. the things they did Right. Um, so I, I would rather go, you know, balls to the wall, as you say, and and take that risk and take that plunge and do it, uh, even if it was the wrong decision, than spend the rest of my life thinking, wondering what would have been or what could have been. Well, also, the, the sooner you make the decision, the sooner you find out if it's the right one or not. If you fail, at least you fail faster. Totally. You know, like chances are you're not going to learn if you make a decision today or three days from now. Chances are you're you're not going to learn that much more in the next three days that's going to help you succeed or fail. In mo like in you know this is a general conversation we're having, but the sooner you make the choice, the sooner you get to act on something, 
So, and the sooner you find out if it's the right or wrong choice. Totally. And I think for me, the biggest help in making choices has come from reminding myself that I'm not necessarily or don't have to be ever stuck in whatever choice I Completely. make at a given time. And a reminder that like I can make a choice and then I can make a completely different choice the next day right. if I want to. And, and it comforts me to know that most other people are, are waffling about decisions too with it. Like none of us know, nobody knows what the right decision totally faking is. it and trying to fake it and make it, you know, just stumbling around in the dark. <laughs> exactly. There's no, there's no, if there was a, if there was a way to do life, then, then we'd have the book, which I guess some people consider a, a Testament, a Bible, but Anyway, we'll get there. Well, so maybe, speaking of not knowing things or knowing them, should we move on to our game, Benjamin? Yes, let's play a game. I am so excited that <sighs> today I get to be the one who is administering the game on the guests. It's okay. supposed to be right. the one in Give the hot seat. Give it to us. Give it to us. Today's game, because we have um, Jewish actor Eli Rosen here and Jewish actor Ben Rosenblatt. In the room. And wannabe Jew. Jacqueline <laughs> and wannabe Jew. The woman who dates many Jewish actors. Eh. Um, it's always by accident. Anyway, um, and because we're on the greatest radio network for food focused programming in the world, um, we're going to be, ask, I'm going to be asking questions about Jewish actors and characters and where and what they eat in okay. movies. Oh. So here are four multiple choice questions for Eli and Jacqueline. We'll see how they do. We're on the same team, right? You're on the same team, okay, so you're so working together, together so see to get these. Here. So first question. And if we win, we get brisket. Okay. Well, who's cooking that? Damn it. All right, here we go. Okay. The first question, I'm, I'm, the first one's a cupcake for you, Jacqueline. Okay. In Billy Madison, mm-hmm. famous Jewish actor, comedian, Adam Sandler's character, has a favorite food item he wants the maid Juanita to put in his lunch. It is A, a banana, B, Lunchables, C, Dunkaroos, or D, Snack Pack? It's D. <laughs> <laughs> David knew David that knew one. I, I it's was, a Snack Pack. Did you know, Eli? No, I was going to say that having uh, grown up on Jewish cuisine, none of those foods actually... Um, Meant anything to no, me? No, it's so. more. It's, well, except for the banana, it's, I suppose. It's more just an Adam Sandler. It's being more of an Adam Sandler thing. It's, I thought I was your snack, snack pack. pack. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it can move. be. It can be all milk. All right. So you guys, anywhere. as a team, are one for one. Uh-huh. Question number two: In Crossing Delancey, the earnest and religious Jew Sam offers to take the reluctant Isabel to this Lower East Side restaurant. A. Katz's Deli. B, Sammy's Romanian. C, Yona Schimmel Knish Bakery. Or D, The Magician. Okay, I don't know that movie, but I don't think it's The Magician, even though it's the Lower East Side. <laughs> Cats is technically in the Lower East Side because it's on the south side of Houston. I don't know about that. Do you have a guess? Well, I would say that Cats is, is kind of the, the obvious answer. So I'm leaning toward... Um, I'm trying to remember where Sammy's Romanian is. I know, it, me it, too. It really it's, sounds familiar. It's either Village or Lower East Side. It could be north of Houston. I'm, I'm not sure. Tempted to go. All with of B. those places are on the lower are oh, on the lower okay. East Side. Oh, okay. uh, but you don't know the movie either. 
I've seen clips of it, but I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. I haven't either. All right, well, what, just, just you want to switch? Sammy's Romanian. Say? Okay, we're going to say Sammy's Romanian. That is correct. Yes. Yes. Ha ha ha! Hey, David. There we go. Thank you. He's asleep at the wheel <laughs> over there. It's okay. Two for two. <laughs> Very. So we only need one more. We need one Where's more, Eli. Snack pack? Oh yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, oh, that is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Make sure you get that brisket in the oven. I know, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. In the, the question number three, in the 1989 rom-com When Harry Met Sally, Harry, played by Jewish actor Billy Crystal, meets Sally in this famous New York City restaurant. A, the Carnegie Deli. B, Katz's Deli. C, Sarge's Delicatessen. Or D, Mendy's kosher delicatessen. Is this a trick question? I'm pretty sure it's B. Katz's Deli. It is definitely Katz's Deli, but I wasn't sure if there's another one in No trick. It is B. Katz's Deli. And by the way, listeners, if you want to to get some nerdy backstory in Katz's Deli, Google my name and Katz's Deli, and there's an interview I did with the grandson um, on SeriousEats.com that I did a couple years ago. Very cool. Yeah, and Jake, Jake Katz. And actually, that movie actually helped Cass's Deli stay open. Like, it helped, like, resurge their popularity. So it's a very interesting wow. story. I would think that the pastrami alone would do the trick. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Do you have a lifetime supply of uh, pastrami? Oh, God, no, I that wish. That would be amazing. But I did have a very, very good meal then. I mm. ate a lot of pickles. Okay. Question number four, the final question. Can you guys go four, four, four? I already feel like we've won, but... You've won, but can you go of perfect? Oh, we've got four. this. We've got this. Has that ever happened in the history of this show? World-renowned so. and uh, highly uh? esteemed Jewish actor Ben Rosenblatt <laughs> has a favorite type of pickle. Oh, my goodness. It is A, Vlasic sandwich stackers. Oh, my goodness. B, Batomte garlic dill. C, McClure's spicy or D any kind of bread and butter pickle this is so hard and I feel like as your favorite person in the whole world I should know this I want to say C or D but I don't really know I don't know I'm really tempted to go with B again even though there have been too many B's in this game but what, uh, what was B Batamte uh, was it garlic garlic dill dill garlic dill well let's go let's go with that Eli let's go with B I mean, that, that's very specific, and um, it's a great pickle. Eli went with his gut, and he nailed it. Yay! But <gasps> day. Can we get, can we get like a, a ra- louder, louder? Yay! Wow, I totally failed in stumping you guys. So Benjamin, so Benjamin. How many did we get right? Okay, all right. How many did we get right? It's time How to take a quick right? commercial break. <laughs> but before we do, pause to hear a word from our sponsor. We'd like to inform you of Heritage Radio Network's big summer membership drive that is coming up. It begins June 14th, and it's so important that we raise funds to increase our membership numbers and to keep all of Heritage Radio's amazing content on the air. And to do so, we'd like to invite you to help us kick off the summer drive by joining us for a party at The Topaz, a new cocktail bar with an old soul here in Brooklyn, right off the Montrose stop on the L train. Come rub elbows with your favorite hosts and foodio, food radio super, foodio, food, <laughs> like radio superstars They're foodios. as like we that. ring in the summer in their private courtyard. Fried chicken, small plates, grilled cheese, and specially crafted cocktails will all be available for purchase. Entry is free. It's though, next of course, Wednesday, the uh, 14th. 14th, yes. Uh, entry is free, though, of course, a donation is kindly requested to help 
this summer drive. Get off to a great start. And as always, we remind you to log on to heritageradionetwork.org, click on the beating heart, and pledge your membership today. We'll be right back. Daddy? Yes, son? Well, son, a funny thing about regret is that it's better to regret something you have done than to regret something you haven't done. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs, including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. And we are back with... Triumphant. The triumphant Jacqueline and Eli. No, we are back with Chassid-turned-actor Eli Rosen. Um, Eli, your story is so massive and so interesting um, and so vast that we could really do three different shows on three different facets of your story. One is just your whole desire, your whole story up to leaving uh, the Hasidic community. The other, which we had talked about doing, was a show on your love life, because we've talked so much about love lives here on this show. Uh, But we decided to focus on you changing careers, because we're talking about new beginnings, and this is a major shift in your life. Um, And so just to give us a little bit of background to get us started, what what happened in between the time that you left the Hasidic community to the time where you dis- what happened that made you decide that you wanted to now become an actor in like what allowed that to kind of spring forth in you since leaving the Hasidic community well you know we were talking about you know grabbing life by the horns and and going with your gut and all that um there was there was a period of time about 3 or 4 years when i was kind of um feeling very listless and and and, um, you know, purposeless. And, and a lot of that was as a result of losing my faith, losing my community, losing my religion, and everything that came along with that. Um, but I, I also felt like I took this really, th- this major drastic step in my life to, to kind of live my truth 
and um, do what I believed in and no longer live a lie. And yet I felt like I was still stuck in this, in this profession where I was essentially in many ways living a lie. Um, in what ways, please? Well, I felt like my, my creative soul was dying. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things I love the most about, one of the things I love in general is, is writing. And as, as a litigator, you do, you obviously do a lot of writing. Um, that's virtually all you do, but, uh, it's very formulaic. It's very technical. And, um, you know, uh, as a big law associate, the, even those few ch- opportunities you, you have to try to be creative and, 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 and original in your writing, uh, because of the layers of editing and um, censorship that your draft goes through, by the time you get it back, it's completely unrecognizable. And, and every ounce of creativity has been, has been squeezed out of it. Um, so I felt like I had to, I had to do something, uh, make a change, so I can justify all the other changes that I've already made in my life up, un, up until that point. And what was the initial cost of those changes? to yourself and to the relationships in your life? Um, exorbitantly high. <laughs> what? Can you give an example? Uh, well, f- first of all, obviously, I mean, uh, to say I took a pay cut would be a huge understatement. Um, And, um, you know, that, that obviously affects your life in, in so many ways and on so many levels, but, but also just in terms of my relationships and in terms of my family, um, my parents who are, who, you know, to their credit are incredibly supportive and, and, um, although they may never fully accept me or condone what I'm doing or my lifestyle or the choices that I've made, um, are, are, generally accepting and, and, and very loving, but at the same time, it's incredibly difficult for them to wrap their heads around some of the choices I've made, especially, um, you know, leaving a lucrative career in the law, um, to do something as, as, as radical and as, uh, risky as, as going into acting. Now you said that it was sort of this need to express that you weren't satisfying but what was the thing that actually pushed you over the edge to quitting your job and to seeking a new creative? Like, what was the actual line that had you, like we were discussing before the break, like making the decision and moving forward? So in my case, it was actually, in many ways, the decision was made for me. Um, in the sense that, uh, you know, I was I was laid off from the big firm that I was at, which is par for the course, uh, Attrition rates in big law firms are incredibly high. Less, you know, uh, maybe a few percent of any entering class of associates actually make it to to partner. And um, I tried looking for something after that. Although I, I've already, I'd already, have, you know, made up my mind at that point that I wasn't going to return to to a big firm. Uh, so I was thinking of, of going to a small firm or, or maybe branching out into another area of the law didn't really find anything that that spoke to me and um eventually did find a job at a a smaller firm 
where I spent a few months, but I was very unhappy and I ended up leaving there as well. I, I tried starting my own practice. I, I tried different things. But uh, ultimately, I came to the realization that none of it was working because it's not what I wanted to do. And I just wasn't happy with it. So now you're jobless, you're broke, you've strained familiar relationships. I imagine you don't have many connections into the theater and film world. What steps do you take to actually become an actor from nothing, from no experience? So I've been incredibly fortunate. Um, What happened was that I was, at that point, still giving my own solo practice the old college try, and I, um, I got a call from some friends of mine that are also ex-Hasidic, and, and they're actors, and they started their own film production company. And they were looking for uh, a lawyer to help them out, to help them get off the ground and get their paperwork in order and so on. Um, and so they called me and, uh, during one of our lunch meetings, uh, I just casually remarked that I, besides from being involved on the business end of things, I'd also love to be involved in the creative side. I've always wanted to do something like that. And, uh, they mentioned to me that, um, Milena, Kartofsky Ayak from uh, Paris, she's a wonderful artist and anthropologist, was doing this experimental theater lab for ex-Hasidic artists and actors. And uh, they urged me to join that lab. And at first I thought, this is, this is crazy. Um, I've never done anything like this before. Um, I thought I might be too old to think about going into acting and it, it just seemed like um, it just seemed like um, a, a wild fantasy it, it didn't seem like anything I could actually pull off at the time um, so what did that when you started getting involved since we're focusing on new beginnings what did making the leap and joining and and sort of starting to explore this field that you had no history in what do you remember about the if there was an emotional release, if there was, if the, if it gave you a way to sort of face this, this sort of ennui that you had been feeling before, like, what do you remember about this sort of new world and what it fulfilled for you that hadn't been fulfilled before? What did it bring into your life in those earlier days? Well, all I can say is that during that, during that, that theater workshop that we did, um, you know, I never felt so alive. I never felt so so real, so honest, and and the moment it it was a, I think it was nine days of like a fully immersive workshop. It was all day, every day, and then it culminated in this open session, um, open workshop that we did for an invited audience, and you know th- at that moment that I that I walked out on stage and did whatever silly little experimental improv bit I did, um, I, I instantly knew that this is what I was going to do. How? It was like, you know, people talk about being bitten like the, bitten by the acting bug. And that's just, that's just what happened. It was love at first sight. Why? How? Uh, I, I guess it just fulfilled so many different, uh, needs of myself in terms of, um, 
you know, I, I've always been incredibly cerebral and, and, and pensive and, and thoughtful, but I've, at the same time, and probably because of that, I have trouble actually getting in touch with my emotions. Um, and, and that kind of gave me a space, a safe space to really explore that. And then there's just the exhilarating feeling of, of being out there. Uh, it's like walking a tightrope without a safety net. There's, there's little to no room for failure. Um, there's no producer with their hand on the, uh, on the button. Uh, there's no editing. It's live. It's real. And, um, it's, it's intoxicating. What role do you feel like acting plays for you in your life right now? Is it a therapy for you? Is it a fun, is it purely for exhilaration and excitement? Does it feel like a vocation for you yet? Yes, to all of that. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it allows me to be creative. Um, it, it allows me to be honest with my, with my thoughts and feelings. Um, it allows me to create art and, and, um, you know, provoke other people, which is really what any art, um, the, the raison d'etre of, of any art form. And, um, it's. How does it allow you to be honest with your thoughts and feelings in a way that is different than you, in a way that you weren't honest with your thoughts and feelings before? When you say that you're a cerebral person who was not connected to their emotions before, and this is giving you that space to be honest with your feelings like what have you discovered about yourself that does feel new and genuine and true that in your prior life that was very regimented and had rules and had order you didn't either know that existed or were denying existed within you you, you just reminded me of something actually that I, that I talked about last year when we were doing this um, in in the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, in the Hasidic lifestyle especially, um, it's not only your, your, your actions that are restricted. In, in, a, in a very large sense, your, your emotions are restricted as well. Um, you're, you're mandated when to be happy, when to be sad. Yeah. Um, that's no exaggeration. I mean, there are times of year times of the year when, when you're commanded to be happy and there are times of year when you're commanded to be sad. Um, and most of the other times, um, you're, you're trained to walk around with the sense of, you know, fear of, of God's presence. And, you know, every, every, every step is calculated and regimented. So there's very little room for that kind of self-expression. I mean, the, the, the phrase self-expression does not exist in the Hasidic vocabulary. It, it really doesn't. Um, so I, I mean, that, so that, that's why to me, this is also so novel and, and exciting, but also, um, you know, also on a, on a personal level, um, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've always had trouble with that, whether it's because my parents are, are children of the Holocaust. And so there's all kind of the emotional baggage that comes with that and um, everybody was always so stoic and then talk about the past and then talk about their feelings and um, just, just you know, carried on because that's what we do. Uh, so being able to 
being able to express your emotions and 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 be honest and and um kind of not wallow in in self despair but 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 really feel but really them. really yeah. feel them you know let them marinate um that's something that's that's um wow. kind of allowed me to live in in a way that I've never really lived before wow uh. It's amazing how much you're talking about this personal growth that you're experiencing. And I'm curious, like, is that the number one goal for you in your work? And, like, what outside of that do you have for goals as far as, like, career goals? and Or is that something that's not even on the map for you kind of at this point? Um, well, it's very difficult for me to kind of really look forward and, and plan ahead in that sense. Because, uh, I mean, a year ago... Uh, if you told me that I'd be on a radio show talking about my acting career, um, I would I would just laugh. But I've been doing, you know, I've been doing a, I've been doing a lot of writing, and I, w- I would love to do more of that. Um, I would love to do some original writing as well eventually. I know you're doing a lot of writing for the new Yiddish rep with whom yes. you appeared off Broadway, and a lot of your acting work has been with New Yiddish Rep, and I know you also were just a consultant on HBO for a project which included Yiddish. Does the connection to Yiddish in your work, how important is that to you, given your background, and how much of that do you want to hold on to, to, and how much of that do you feel like is a niche that you don't want to be associated with? Well, I I do really... I mean, it took me some time uh, once I left the community to reach a point where I was comfortable with adapting certain parts of my culture and, and excuse me, kind of uh, owning them and, 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 and kind of making peace with my past and, and, and using it to form a kind of a, a new sense of self, a new sense of identity. Um, because y- your initial reaction is just kind of run away from all that. But at this point in my life, I mean, uh, it is who I am. I mean, I, I, it's my mother tongue. It's my first language and um, I will always love the language so as much as I can work with that um, that's always great and um, you know I'm not I'm not kidding myself I mean all these opportunities that I've gotten I've gotten mostly because of that um, because of my unique um, skill set when it comes to Yiddish but at the same time, I would love not to be a, a one-trick pony and, and uh, do other things as Wouldn't well. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> well, you're, you're still a baby in the acting world. you still got, you got time. You're marinating. Exactly. I'm, yeah. in, I'm in no rush. Well, unfortunately, speaking of time, we've got to wrap it up. So we're going to finish with a question that we ask everybody at the end of every show. Um, and so particularly on the point of your new beginning on one chapter of your life ending and this new one starting, what has your new beginning story taught you about love? And we keep that vague intentionally, but what have you learned about love from taking this large leap into the unknown? I guess I've learned that it's never too late. And, uh, you know, having having loved and lost and being divorced and uh, having had my share of ill-fated love affairs. Um, the one thing that I've really learned is that it's never too late. 
I like that. Great ending. lesson. I like that ending. Thank you so much for joining us today, Eli, and spending some time with us. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, despite the uh, very conspicuous lack of food. <laughs> We're going to remedy that right now. <laughs> and thank you for uh, doing that on your birthday as yes, well. Yes, very no. much. I think that's like the second or third time that's happened on this show. We're very lucky. I know. We are very lucky. Uh, so, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. You can find more about Eli Rosen at our website, lovebitesradio.com. Come back next week. We are wrapping up our New beginning series with The Best Of, where you are going to hear what everybody, our five guests, have learned about love from their New Beginning adventures. So come back next week for that. Uh, a quick and friendly reminder to rate and review us on iTunes. We will love, love, love you forever for, for that. It only takes a minute, and it really helps us out. Thanks, as always, to our engineer, David. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion, and we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. Love Bites will be back at the same time next week here at Heritage Radio Network. See ya! listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.